What's this shit called? Deactivation Podcast. Deactivation Podcast. Or should I say Duh Activation Podcast? Duh Activation Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But not DEA Activation Podcast. No. Definitely not that. So let's see. We were just talking about um, how we are. We started off on this tip, right? Talking about. Um, it's like studying your family lineage. Yeah, so so uh, both for both of us, we've had so so many different ancestors die, and there's like very, in terms of proportion, a lot more of our folks are on the other side than are still among the living, right? Um, both including all past generations and an alarming number <laughs> in the generations right. that should still be alive right, right now, right? Um, and I brought up how. Um, my buddy Nahan would always say, this was like, you know, in the streets, like with hundreds, thousands of folks, like doing these, like, um, all urban native folks and like doing all this drumming, uh, going through Seattle, doing like very active, like re-indigenization, decolonial kind of work, um, very potent culturally and spiritually right and so Nahan would always say um on these marches he would say we're the most powerful of our ancestors because like we're the present generation right and all of our other ancestors um both that we that we knew in this life and who are now on the other side and everybody before them it's watching our six they're, they're watching our six exactly yeah. They're looking out for us, and that's that's mana, that's energy, that's power. Um, and um, so then you you were saying uh, you need to tap into that. Yeah. And how and how and how do you do that? And so um, I was just detailing kind of a bit of my um, what I've learned from two. For me, tapping into that has come from a lot of knowledge coming from two different wisdom traditions, one being Orisha worship or Ife, Yoruba, Voodoo, Vodun. Um, there's all these different variations, right? But it has evolved throughout the African diaspora, but it started in Jerubaland, modern day Nigeria. Um, and so a lot of these Orisha are like the gods and goddesses of that pantheon are actually acknowledged as um, different particular, like there's ancestral lineages that, that trace them. And um, so a big part of the practice is honoring your specific ancestors um, and maintaining ancestor altars, like with their, like, you put their picture up, you can light different candles for them, always have water on the altar, and you can offer them different things that you knew they liked. So like my dad really likes Swedish fish. And like my brother Michael was telling me, like he really liked 211, still reserved, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Old English 800. So anytime I'm doing uh, altar work to honor them, um, I'll put uh, things that they like, and this is very similar to like to like Dia de los Muertos mm -hmm. um, and uh, the ofrendas, 
that folks do in Mexico and throughout Latin America. Um, so is there principle. any particular place that you put the altar or is that not non-determinant of, of the results? I mean, <clears throat> so when it comes to particular place different, that's kind of depends on the practitioner and your particular situation right so like if you if you have a, a stable place that's like a, a a house where you can maintain it like you can pop pop up something somewhere or you could have something like in a if you're more mobile you could have like maybe like a little chest yeah that has like their pictures and different things and then you can open it up and you know when you want to kind of commune with them and and offer and honor them um, Do you think that it would be kind of similar to a visualization board where you could like create a Pinterest board if you don't have those kind of resources? Would it have yo, the same effect? Yeah, you could totally do it digitally. I never thought about that. That's a that's actually a great idea. Because that's where we are, man. Like, yeah. And you could just have, um, yeah, you could have your, your Pinterest. You could create different boards that are dedicated to different, um, different particular ancestors or whole different you know lineages um yeah and then you could have their their pictures could be some of the things and then some of the things that they like it could be in there like some of their accomplishments yeah because i come to find out like <clears throat> my entire life i was i was raised by a single mother and she was kind of still bitter about my dad so she pretty much raised me to hate my name and to hate what that represented and it wasn't until about like two years ago that I realized how important that was. Like the family name, like that's yeah, a huge majority of like survival on this planet. Yeah. So how, how did you trace back your ancestors and what are some resources that people could use to kind of figure that out without having to give away their DNA? Yeah, that's been my big challenge actually because- Mine too, I don't want them to have that information. I'm, <laughs> and I'm I'm thinking about just doing it now anyways because they're like they've forced me to give away my DNA to be a teacher. I have to like do this. And I know some people think it's just too skepticism and I don't want to turn this into a COVID thing, but um like I'm thinking about actually just doing one of those DNA tests because I've for work I've had to give away these samples so often and I'm like rather suspicious that in some you know, maybe they're already harvesting it, so like, why not? But right. But I also don't necessarily trust the methodology because even if I trusted them with the information, um, I don't necessarily trust like, like it doesn't add up how they do things, like cross-referencing. Um, like when it comes to your ancestry, a lot of that is is cultural there's different modes of making kin and family and it's not always going to show up in ways that you can accurately understand or register through dna for example in my because i'm doing indigenous politics and future studies through U, uh, university of hawaii right and i had this in this hawaiian politics class with uh heoli osorio um who we just hired at the department not too long ago. Uh, um, she taught us a bit about how Hawaiian genealogy works. And according to Hawaiian genealogy, if you have 
it doesn't matter. There's no such thing as blood quantum in that. It's like if you have one ancestor, however remote, that is considered Hawaiian, this Kanaka Maoli, um, like native Hawaiian, then it doesn't matter what the blood quantum is. You're 100% Hawaiian. That's dope. Like, they're not going to consider, you know, yeah. like, um, and so, like, having that kind of understanding of genealogy versus, like, a DNA test that says, oh, you're 15% Korean and 23% English, and, like, yeah. you know, it's like, what is, where do you come up with these metrics? Yeah, like, how do you quantify that? <laughs> Based on, like, percentage of population? Like, like or? English? You mean the country <laughs> like <laughs> what yeah it's it's very strange and i know there's different companies and different methodologies and metrics but it doesn't it seems like what i would be giving up might not be worth what i would get back because i would have to parse i would have to do a lot of research to understand their metrics and maybe i'll do that someday but i don't know if i'm ready to give away my I don't know if I'm ready to involve them in that quest, basically. Because for me... So how do we privatize that? How do we do that? Well, I think you... Like... Um, like, how do we take control of it or for ourselves? So how do we find a guy that's not, like... <clears throat> who doesn't have some kind of... what? Because there's all... I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but there, there are an awful lot of agendas taking place at the same time. How do we find somebody that's not politically aligned with mm. one of these entities that we can just get the information without it leaking into the big cyber yeah. information portal? I think I think we would have to learn how to do the process ourselves um, and learn how to read the data from the DNA like home test kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and there might be enough in home lab kind of scenarios where we could do the test and then read our results against the backdrop of the archives that we can access without having to input our stuff right directly into it. Maybe, um, or just do a, or and or do a lot of research into the different particular entities and see if there's one that we actually think we could trust. Mm. Um. I know a huge resource is uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints. Really? Um, they're so big on genealogy. Um, and a lot of different people have a lot of different opinions about them. Uh, but I'm not going to blaspheme them. Uh, like, I've, I've got several friends who are... I got well, some family members that are, here, yeah. that are Mormon, and matter of fact, my business coaches—they're like, some of the like most solid, consistent mm -hmm. people that I know. Um, so whatever other outsiders might have to say about it, like I don't have any reason to throw them under the bus. And they actually were paying. Uh, well, I'm not gonna get into that. What if we do it in a podcast? <laughs> They're very supportive. Right. They're good folks. And right. um But am I ready to give my DNA to them? I don't know. But I I would I do think that's a good place to start is to go talk to them because they're very helpful. That because they want an accurate genealogy of everybody as much as they can. 
Um, and so they're very helpful in terms of like letting people access their archives. Like they have family genealogy archives and they're one of the biggest. Like I think they run 23andMe, I'm not sure. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, we'll have to fact check that podcast. Fact check but, that. Um, Drop the info in the comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I would start like, I've been planning to actually visit and talk to them for a minute because my my genealogy, my history is very interesting with that question, right? Because, um, let's see, I actually I actually lost a jaw a position uh, at work over this uh, because I refused to identify as white because there's a big question mark over my father's genealogy. He was born on a military base in uh, Hawaii, or born at Tripler Hospital, military hospital, uh, as like the fourth child of uh, active duty Navy. And I didn't learn this till college, because I never heard anything about it from him directly. He shot himself beginning of my sophomore year of high school due to extreme heroin and alcohol addiction. And he said that was the only route he felt he had to escape his demons. And he didn't want to be tortured anymore. So he just mm. wanted to leave his body. I don't blame him. I still talk to him in my dreams. He's cool. He's probably hanging out in the backseat right now. Right. Um, sad daddy. Daddy, yo. Cheers. So anyways, I found out my second year at University of Washington as I'm like first learning about the existence of colonialism and racism, it's <laughs> like things that were like not really broken down to me as concepts in my K through 12 education and accurate histories. I was just giving all the bullshit, right? So I start learning about the US invasion of the Hawaiian kingdom. We we're reading Hwanani K. Trask's From a Native Daughter. And I knew that I had grandfathers on both sides that were in the military in both Hawaii. Sides of the war? No, uh, both. No, sorry. Both my maternal. Oh, oh, oh. Both oh, my maternal it, and it. paternal yeah, yeah, yeah. lines yeah. have grandfathers, um, like my dad's dad and my great grandma's dad. So, or between World War One and two, I have family uh, members, ancestors who were stationed in Hawaii. Um, uh, and so I mostly was like okay, so I'm like part of the, I'm part of the colonizer, right? Like I just figured out as I was reading that stuff, like that's my, like I gotta deal with that and confront that, all right? Which, which I am, but then I also, my mom told me as I was taking that class, she said, you know, your dad actually always thought he was Hawaiian because um, his dad used to beat the shit out of his mom and say, you're not my son. Like, and he looked a lot different than his siblings. He got a lot darker in the sun. He had a lot curlier hair and mm. like a different kind of nose. And, um, so I want to double back on that because that was a, a follow up question to some of those missing links in the genealogy that because those kind of things happen. Yeah. So we'll, I, I would like to, to double back on that later on in the conversation. Yeah. And that's the, so that's where 
that's where the DNA thing does interest me because I've just run into dead ends trying to investigate it without that. Because when I ask my mm. uncle, my uncle says, no, there's no way that's true. Mom was already pregnant before we moved out there. But I'm not sure if I can trust that because he's like very conservative Christian. So I'm like, if exactly. it was true, he wouldn't tell me. Right. Um, and then I started like talking to like different like Native Hawaiian professors and stuff of mine and colleagues my PhD program but then I had to like really stop talking about it and asking people for help because it seemed like that was like it's just too politically fraught to be like looking like a howley and being like hey I think I might be Hawaiian like it's not a good look right because <laughs> it just looks like I'm trying to be a you do Smith definitely or, have Hawaiian vibes I'll tell you or, that for sure or a Rachel Dolezal you know I'm not trying to do that <laughs> um and it's like but some like some folks I've talked to um like I connected with a call a colleague in the um through the college of ed program that I was doing learning design and technology I talked to her about it and she was like oh yeah you probably are we're, pro we're probably related <laughs> like you know but then other people are like I don't know I can't tell and you can't tell by looking at somebody or this or that and then and then other people are like hell no you're not Hawaiian I would know <laughs> and then other people are like oh yeah you totally are <laughs> and they're all Hawaiians that I'm asking so I'm like okay so like <laughs> So I just kind of gave up on it, you know, I'm yeah. like, uh, but then when it come to the context of work, what I was talking about getting fired, this is like, I was so happy for this position because I've been as a substitute teacher, daily sub for so many years and finally got this position working, um, as the community and outdoor education coordinator. And I got added, that got added as a last minute addition to this Department of Liberatory Education in Seattle Public Schools. We might have to censor some of this for my, but, um, but I want to tell you the story. And who knows, maybe we can use it in the podcast. We'll talk about it. Um, but so I got like, at, that got added to this Department of Liberatory Education, which is American Indian Studies, Ethnic Studies, Black and Black Studies. And then they added like... <laughs> Okay, run that back one more time. How you just said those three fucking phrases? Yeah, run that back one American more time. American Indian studies. Okay, politically correct. Ethnic studies. Politically correct. Black studies. Super red flag. <laughs> Why is that? Why is it called black studies? They get all, they give all this fancy terminology for all these other things. Ethnic diversity. American Indian Heritage Month. Black! <laughs> the dark arts. <laughs> <laughs> the occult. The I occult think, people. I think to... I, I hear the, I hear their critique and the concern. I think to their credit, it's because they want to very specifically have something that is for black folks. Yeah, but we're not and, black. And we're brown, first of all. Yeah. Melanated people studies? Why not that? Because there still is a specific 
like negative experience of blackness in the United States that creates that like like that if somebody if some, but if that. but if somebody thinks you're Indian that title or if so, you know if you think you're another that, kind of brown that's not Afro descended then you're not gonna get anti-black or anti-African racism you're gonna get a different flavor which is yeah not as violent usually yeah and I think they're they're and that name perpetuates that just having so, that name that's so, where I'm coming from then leading to me losing this job <laughs> we had our first it was like i had the job right i was supposed to be in it from february until the end of the school year in june this last school year it was dope i was super excited because finally i was like full-time salary position they assured me they were like you don't even have to like come in physically to the building just do like your work and you're a knowledge worker now because we're building the whole like yeah. future and your your job is to make uh, to grow access to community and outdoor education so that like so that kids don't have to be trapped inside of a building all day. Right. That was my goal. I was like, okay, bet I'm gonna go. I'm gonna connect with because I've been working with all kind of folks in the anti-juvie and uh, anti-youth detention movement. I'm like, great. Um, can you connect me with the schools that teach in the juvie, and I can. That's the first kids I want to bring to the outdoor education. Um, and we had all these kind of conversations in the mix, but then they were like, okay, now Department of Liberatory Education, our first uh, retreat. We got to, you know, get us all, we're bringing all these disparate departments together. We're going to have a, a retreat. So we met for like four hours at the district building. And I wasn't told that this was a job interview, right? I was told I already had the job and I had already been doing it for almost a month by then. So then the opening, the opening protocol was we all read a definition of liberation that they had written on the board. Can and, you cite that or does that um, have to be? It was, I don't think I remember it word for word, but it was like, has to do, it focused on like freeing someone or something from, from some kind of set of conditions, mm. right? Like the act of freeing. Is, is you know getting liberation getting, getting rid of some constraining or oppressive force it didn't have oppression in it i'm just trying to paraphrase here it had to do with freeing somebody from something um and so we read this definition liberation is yada yada and then say how you identify so everybody in the room is saying what their tribal affiliations are talking about their blackness or their whiteness or their white privilege or their white passing privilege. These things that we do in liberal academic circles and social movements and right. That's generally the protocol is like yeah, name, name your positionality. Right? Yeah. That sounds like feminist brand cult behavior is what that sounds like. Yeah. And, and you know, at a certain, at a certain point, like had you said what you just said to me like a year ago, I would be like all offended and that would be a red flag for me. I'd be like, oh, well, this, this person is like, why are you critiquing feminism? You must hate women. Like, you're not a Feminism person, hates women. But, I but, love women. Feminism hates women. Okay. We, this, I sleep with a lot of women. I okay. love those <laughs> motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> And there's potentially all kind of issues with that kind of statement that we can get into in another podcast. That'll be episode two. 
I don't want to. I want to break down into <laughs> into a war here, but um, I do understand your point. So. But basically, what I'm trying to say is like after after that experience of losing my job, when I was just trying to authentically come and authentically say how I identify, um, I'm I'm a little more amenable to like the critique that it's very cultish and that there's some problems that need to be addressed because how I then and then ended up answering the question was I, I preface everything I said I'm gonna give a um, I know this is a school setting and religion and spirituality aren't usually welcome but since this is supposed to be the Department of Liberatory Education that we're creating I, I want to come at this authentically and I feel like I should be able to tell you all how I actually identify um, and so that's where I want to start so I said I identify as eternal spirit soul mm. currently walking earth in an allegedly human body mm. and I use I pick my words very, very intentionally yeah, 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 yeah. I and I say allegedly human because Layla Abdul Rahim wrote uh, Wild Children Domesticated Dreams, Education and the Birth of Civilization, has a very in-depth critique of the word human. It basically says to be human is to be inherently domesticated to empire and to be like both a subject and an object of extreme colonial uh, or civilizational violence. Bro, I love that. Send me the link for that. I love that. I will. She's lit. I love her work. I love that. Um, so that that's the words that I chose, and that's what I said. Um, and then uh, this this cat, who's the head of um, uh, Alex, the head of uh, this. We'll have to edit this significantly. <laughs> what we can actually use, but he's this light-skinned black dude who's the head of ethnic studies, and he's like, I have a question. As soon as I as soon as I said how I identify, right? Obviously, he wants to ask if I'm white, <laughs> mm. and have me own that, right? Own your privilege, um, and then uh, Dr. Felder, this older black man who's been teaching in the district since like 1970, he used to teach at the Coleman School building which is now the Northwest African American Heritage Museum and Cultural Center. Sorry. Mm. No, it's now the Northwest African American Museum. It used to be um, the Heritage Museum and Cultural Center, but then the city co-opted it and put a bunch of Urban League uh, Uncle Toms in charge, according to some of the more deeply rooted like Black Liberation Army-style folks who actually acquired the building to begin with they were a little bit too radical so the city installed something else um and in the podcast three we're gonna break down the difference between uncle tom and the other character which is the one you actually need to watch out for it's not uncle tom okay i like that you bookmarked it for three look at that we're content yeah plan for, production yeah, come on days man. so dr felder's like We'll get to that later. Let's continue the process. Then we did our whole meeting. And then by the time lunch rolls around, 
I'm like, yeah, so I was raised white in Edmonds, Washington, um, but I don't personally identify as white because, first off, white is a political agreement. It's not a cultural identity. Mm. Um, now, I, act, I do think it's, it's both, but it's primarily a political agreement with empire that says whiteness is like a blank piece of paper. Whiteness is like saying, I'm going to forget about my ancestors and I'm going to assimilate to the empire. That's what whiteness is. It's tabula rasa. But we are not like that whole tabula rasa was really big in the, I think, um, I want to say lock. Uh, gosh, no pain. Thomas Paine instead of real common sense. I think he was real big in the tabula rasa idea in the American Revolution. That we're all blank slates. Like when you're born, you're just a blank slate and you can be programmed. Yeah. But we're not. We carry our ancestors. That's what this whole podcast started on. Mm-hmm. And so white identity is the act of selling out your ancestors to capitulate to empire. Yes. Yes. And so I'm, I'm trying to find a way to explain to these people when I say when I say like that's white people shit yeah that means that yeah there's a difference between white people quote unquote and Caucasians yeah because a lot of these people have nothing they I don't know like they have nothing to do with it but there's a particular mindset and a particular programming that takes place in these people that causes them to destroy everything and not be okay with what they have and they just want more and more and more and more that is very specific to quote unquote white people that I'm yeah. talking about yeah what and whiteness is a mental disorder basically like <laughs> that's straight up yeah and so that's the programming I was talking about when they say black classes and white classes it is a very particular programming a yeah very particular brand. yeah and then a lot of people end up trying to perform to blackness yeah to be like I'm black and I want to hold on to my black yeah. identity and then you do black and people then, shit and then you know, go down that road. I think you need 211 and old English 800. Right. <laughs> Cheers, by the way. Yeah, let me grab one. That's all I was looking for. I didn't want to wrestle around too much. Yeah. I don't like the editing process. It takes too long. Yeah, me too. Um. No, but it's kind of like they say there's a nigger in every kind of race. Yeah. So the nigger in the Caucasian race would be whiteness, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like I identify with with being pure, and I identify with cultural all the all this cultural garbage that's going on. But it's like <clears throat> the cultural garbage is going on to quote unquote purify all of these other races of their impure qualities that are based around their culture right or wrong yeah so they're kind of just fucking power spraying culture away from everybody else to get them to go to whatever they believe in and what they believe in is absolute supremacy Mm -hmm. control dictation and just performance yeah there's um there's this piece, um, there's this piece by, uh, this Latino author who talks about, it was, it was critiquing, 
Cheers. Cheers. It was like critiquing the Obama era deportation policies. It was like um, illegal versus undocumented, a distinction without a difference, I think was the, the title. It was like basically critiquing everybody's like focus on, oh, you can't say illegal. You have to say undocumented. And she was like, no, like it doesn't matter what you call it. Like they're like... It's illegal, and they're fate being like facing the legal violence because of that. Um, so like, and I feel like George Carlin would really agree with this because he was really not into euphemisms. Um, and that kind of like, oh well, let's use politically correct language and say undocumented. Well, just changing the language to undocumented doesn't stop people from being targeted as illegal by the state. As far as the state's concerned, that's a fact. No, but what it does do is soften the blow for everybody else who is documented to not realize they are the ones that are slaves. Yes, and this is where she'd get... <laughs> exactly, yes. And this is where the, the whiteness thing comes in because she t then gets into the like a pretty deep critique of the dreamers and the whole dream dreamers movement. It says, like, look, you've only, like, created routes to citizenship for people that are... And I don't know, actually, how much of this is coming directly from her article and how much I'm adding from analyses that we developed with other people that were reading this stuff. Because this was a long time ago when I was studying this. But uh, basically, over time, the, U the United States empire has consistently developed basically like new and specific pathways toward whiteness right. for different peoples right and for latino folks it's mostly been and, and this is true across a lot of categories for black folks too actually it's been through it's always through education and military yes like come and do x y and z for us yeah perform perform and you'll get certain privileges. There's always going to be a colorism uh, that favors whiteness in the United States until white supremacy is overthrown or changed. Uh, so there will be that skin color detection that you can't just get rid of. But in terms of like you know forms of speech um, and the right. way you dress, like you talk white, you talk black. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, be like, oh well, you don't sound black. Like. <laughs> That kind of Not shit. gonna lie, I got a lot of jobs like that because I talk white. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what's that uh thing? Sorry to bother you? Yeah. And that <laughs> oh. was that was like a yeah. <laughs> and yo, like, I definitely thought about that shit when when uh the whole fucking vaccine and COVID shit, like I was people told me, go get the vaccine. I'm like, have you seen Sorry to Bother You? I don't wanna turn into a horse person. <laughs> 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 and then the, and then my homie who works for Microsoft is like, no, it, it's fine. I now I can eat a lot of apples. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's <laughs> like all right. Maybe there's some benefits to being a horse person. I gotta really rethink this. I do like centaurs. 
It's better than being colored. <laughs> <laughs> At least you get fresh fruit. Shit, and then you can level up to be a unicorn. Right. No more instant mashed potatoes for this centaur. <laughs> <laughs> you get all them fucking Whole Foods and PCC access yeah. now. Ooh, organic carrots. Love those. Oh, and then Let's if you go. work at the corporate HQ, you don't even have to pay for anything. You get access to that elite common. <laughs> They got a whole menu you can order from. There's no prices. Oh, yeah. Spoon-fed dribble. Let's go. <laughs> it was fun. Visit. I, I've got to, I got to visit uh, Google several years ago when a friend worked there. And I heard their cool. workspace like, is really cool. Is that true? It's dope. Like, But it's like my only critique of it really is that that shit should be available to everybody. That I remember reading about that, and they were saying that they were trying to leave from the front, and then some corporate should happen, and never like fulfilled. Yeah, so now it's just like trying sectioned to be the off. Yeah, they were trying to be the leaders of this is what your workspace should look like. Yeah, and that's how Google started off. Yeah, the colors and the the whole branding and everything, but something went left. It's dope. Like they have all different kind of game systems. Yeah. You can just play. They got like nap they rooms got, and shit. Yeah, and it's Sleep like pods. you can. You don't have, you're not in a cubicle. You can just kind of be wherever. Yeah. And some people have their own private offices and there's co-working spaces. And then like, you can just walk it. Like there's cafes with baristas and you can just go order shit and they'll just give it, make it for you. Like, and then there's like common, like refrigerator kitchen areas where you just go and grab, like, I like loaded up on hella coconut waters and Greek <laughs> yogurts and shit. I'm like, can I take this with me? He's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, <laughs> Actually, I didn't ask. I just did. That's that white privilege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm taking up space. I gotta, <laughs> gotta use it. <laughs> That's what they tell me. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, uh, back to getting fired, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So they're like, I, and then I end up sharing. Um, Right, like trying to explain why I don't identify as white, and part of it uh, is because of that political agreement, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not agreeing to that. I will say, I will acknowledge that I walk the world with white privilege, but I'm not white. Like, that's that's not me. I'm eternal spirit soul, and I have a very in depth. Like most of, and the point I made too, I was like, look, this is called the Department of Liberatory Education. Liberation. Mm. The majority of the world's wisdom traditions and the majority of the, the world's bodies of literature, treating the word liberation or any of its uh, relatives in other languages. Subsidiaries and all that shit. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just need to have one giant merger of liberation. You know? Right. Um, no, I like all kinds of liberations. This is great. But the, the, what I was... My point there was like, look, most of the history of talking about this word has been in a spiritual context that's like addressing like how we get free according to like instructions from God that different people 100%, have been given. 100%. Yeah, this is a secular 
school setting that has like killed God and made it so we're not allowed to talk about it. And now we're only being allowed. I didn't get a chance to say all this in the meeting, but I tried to get as much out as I could. But now we're really only allowed to talk about liberation in a material context. So if we're only allowed to talk about it in a material context, and the whole material plane is actually a prison for the soul, then how are we ever going to achieve liberation? And so I thought, and I was thinking, I spoke up and spoke my truth for me out of the interests of my own children, who, like my daughter, would be going into kindergarten in that school system next year if I wasn't saying, fuck y'all, I'm building our own school. She would be trapped in that. And so I'm thinking like, I, and I actually started reconsidering building my own school and saying, hey, maybe if they're changing this much, maybe I'll, and we can start a new school within Seattle Public Schools, maybe I can still send my kids there. Like a Montessori kind of deal? Yeah, like maybe, yeah. And, but I had to, I had to really test the waters and fully speak my truth and see what happened. And I got fired. And so, um, but I was thinking like, Okay, yes, I agree. I understand racism. I understand white supremacy. I understand privilege. I understand all these things. I understand why people do this protocol of acknowledging their privilege. I think it it has its uses, but I don't want to create a context where it always has to be, let's introduce ourselves with respect to our privilege and oppression and identities in a material realm. I think I want a context where my children, right? My, my little son can, and, and my daughter or my gender non-conforming children or whatever they choose to identify as <laughs> uh, can authentically show up and say, this is who I am. And they shouldn't need a, a teacher or a facilitator or anybody to say, well, you know, you need to talk about your light skin privilege. Like, yo, what? Yeah, they'll, they'll learn about that if that's a problem they need to tackle over time. But if you're saying that from the beginning, you have this kind of privilege and you have this kind of oppression and you need to, like, then we're never gonna, like, at what point do people Meanwhile. get to authentically show up? Back in reality, another part we're going to have to edit is they're, they're diversifying us against each other. So we're not paying attention to all the legislature that's taking place to completely wipe out all of that in between. Mm-hmm. The next gentrification yeah. is going to happen to those people and they are going to be us people. Yeah. And then it's going to escalate. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. They're just wiping out the middle class left and right. Yep. Left and right. Because we're sitting here fucking fighting each other instead of paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. And it, well, it was so upsetting to me because that, that ended up basically creating this whole fallout where everybody was like, oh, well, like they had to get rid of me as the bad white person mm-hmm. so they could feel good. Mm-hmm. Like they all rallied. They had to liberate everybody else from yeah. you. Yeah. Because white oppression. And I was just so, <laughs> I was so upset about it because I was like, yo, y'all really like, because then the um, uh, Alex, who had the whole critique to begin with, was like, look, what, why it's important for me, for, for people to do that protocol, is because I need to know, like, what time it is and what, like, what time you're on, where you're at. 
because that tells me like whether you're a friend or an enemy basically is like how you talk about your whiteness or not and so like basically if I didn't say hi I'm white I have white privilege and I'm here as an ally if I said anything other than that then I'm going to be clocked at if I'm if they think I'm trying to avoid taking responsibility for my whiteness and white privilege then he's going to clock me as an enemy or somebody he can't trust enough at least and if then, you're not subjugating yourself yeah yeah 100% <laughs> and like I get where he's coming from in the paradigm that he's operating in it makes perfect sense and I don't fault his intellect for that but I do fault it's there's some kind of perception at a, a spiritual level <laughs> that I think is heavily lacking. Just bad programming. And bro. from the heart. Like, um, bad programming. Because then I end up, like, everybody is like, oh, well, like, I got I got to talk from my boss, uh, Dr. Keisha Scarlett, who's the chief academic officer, uh, who originally created the position out of thin air for me. Uh, she, oh, she disappeared. It. Wait, wait, wait. Then she got rid of it. Yeah, because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Yeah, because, you got scapegoated, bro. Yeah. You got scapegoated for sure. And then I think they also maybe thought I was a person of color. And then once they learned that I grew got up it. white in Edmonds and didn't identify as white. They yeah. were like, whoa, this is too much. We don't know how to deal with this. Mm -hmm. We thought we were hiring a person of color, and this seems like a white person. So, let's, like, she told me, I'm not sure your mission aligned. And that, and I was like, that just blew my mind. And it could be, though, because I filled out on the, um, I filled out on the, form that we did before the retreat there was a question of like what do you think should be the purpose of the department of liberatory education and i said um it should be to abolish seattle public schools and put the budget in the hands of a plebiscite of youth there's that word we mm. came across in the <laughs> star visitor sanctuary document it should be put in the hands of a plebiscite of youth to determine how to use those funds to build their own systems of learning and modes of study so Maybe she just fired me for that because, like, literally, she's the no, head. No, no, no. You got scapegoated. She's, she's got, the head of Seattle you of got, the school. You got Jesus Christ did, bro. And I That's said, what happened. And I said, we need to abolish this whole thing. But, yeah, no. I It was totally... I mean, I hope it helped them bond, I guess. But I ended up out of a full-time job and a really good position. And where Thank I God, because if be. you would have got brainwashed by I those fucking people, by that. <laughs> I would have never met you. We wouldn't have had the best conversation I've had in a long time. How about that? <laughs> it's like a fucking seven-day conversation. <laughs> Dopeness. So then, um, yeah, I said, not mission aligned. And I was like, what do you mean, not mission aligned? Like, you guys see my CV my curriculum vichy, my resume, you see that I've been, like, you know, I've been thrown down in the streets for years in all these struggles to, like, stop police violence, to fight racism, to do, like, you see that I'm a father of two beautiful mixed black children. Mixed race. Mixed race. 
Mixed. Well, race is a problematic term too. We're we're gonna but, get rid of the word black. That's that's gonna be yeah. one of my goals because it's just yeah. it's just a negative connotation, and that's why they two, do it. Two beautiful children who have wondrous African ancestry, but African is also like a Gaelic term. That's not even an African word, so we probably right. need some other word for it. Anyway, just melanated people. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Um, like. So where's the pro? Where's the chosen lack? by the sun god Ra? Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like where's the lack of mission alignment? I'm thinking like, I just, I, I just have too much of my own agenda, and they don't know who no, I you am. No, Too much of a wild card. Yeah, you didn't understand their agenda, and you didn't fit. It's like trying to fit a square into a circle. It, it didn't work out. Yeah, because they thought you were gonna be a pleb. Yeah. Well, to 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 her credit, though, she did say at the very beginning of the whole thing that she doesn't even think it's possible to have liberatory education in the context of the education system. <laughs> you but, think so? That's yeah, weird. Yeah, she said that, but she's That's like, weird. but huh. let's do it anyways, because this huh. is my job. So I'm thinking in the long run. Uh, do you know where kindergarten came from? Side. You don't have to answer because I'm going to have to edit it out, but we can get into a conversation about that. It's uh, kind of like a cross, but it's not. Kindergarten? Kindergarten is kind of like a cross, but it's not. Um, it used to be like kind of a, a Hindu thing, but then they kind of flipped it backwards and just oh, did to right. annihilate a lot of people. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, that's that goes yeah deep. No, you don't have to edit that shit out. Google Docs, actually, I wrote it. I was trying to, when I was writing my book, I did a, I started in Google Docs. They deleted 12 pages of my shit. Really? Yep. So that was nice. So then I had to start from scratch because I, you know, you lost the whole vision. So it's like, you can't say that. Yeah. This is something that, um, the head of my, uh, uh, some of my future studies department like he does his research on military weaponry and um, some very sensitive areas right so yeah. he was giving us a whole talk about how to even write his the stuff that he's working on he he had to get like a dead old computer yeah that can't like because all the new Microsoft stuff is like will automatically connect to the internet mm -hmm. even if it looks like it's not mm -hmm. um and they can Super spy on your work yeah. and, and and edit stuff and fuck with shit and that's that's definitely the major double-edged sword of google tools is i mean google is the cia mm -hmm. you know mia said it connected to the google connected to the government connected mm -hmm. to the google connected to the government so yeah, if you want to write some real subversive stuff, you better have notebooks. <laughs> so my thing is trying to come up with a codex, because even if you have notebooks, they can flag that as the T-word. Yeah. The domestic T-word. Yeah. So I, I was like, I was putting together this whole fucking thing where you come up with this kind of codex. Because it's like all reminiscent of 1984 and others double speak and all this other yeah, shit. And I'm like, yeah. bro, this is exactly 1984. Thank God I was in jail and read that book. Because yeah. otherwise, I ne you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. never would have came across yeah. it. Yeah. And not just be a fucking plurb out there. <laughs> that's what I feel like, yeah, the double speak is, um, that's a big part of the 
That's what I feel like. Political correctness is definitely it's those double spirit. Sure. Yeah, and it's 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 because it's like I, it's logical, you know. It's like it can it makes sense, like the arguments that are presented for it. I'm like, okay, I get it, but like, no, like, and you know, George Carlin can be a very offensive individual to some people's perspectives, but that man had a lot of truth, mm-hmm. and his whole critique of euphemisms. I feel like it's so on point when it comes to um, that, you know, uh, political correctness as double speak. He talks about shell shock. It's like, oh yeah, when he much it more, down, then it turned into that, and then it turned into PSD. Yeah. yeah, shell shock, and then it was operational exhaustion. Yeah, and then eventually post-traumatic stress disorder, and he break counts the syllables. And he just goes through the visceral expression yeah. of the language, like yes. shell shock, shell shock. Like you can, you know, you feel and what that's, that that's means. That's what I was saying before, when it's like, well, they're just not documented yet. It's a really nice way of saying what's actually going on, yeah. but it sounds pleasant. Oh, yeah. they're just undocumented. Oh, we'll give no. them some documents. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, they're, they're, they're <laughs> illegal. Until they have those documents, they're illegal. And listen to and how they will the be, visceral that sounds. They will be illegal. killed by the law or imprisoned or deported. Like, that's what's going to happen because according to the law, there's no gray area. You're, like, you're illegal. You're on... You're either compliant with the law or you're not. And being undocumented means you're wow. not compliant with the law. Here's where my thought was just going when the first time you said law. I was thinking, why does the law sound so much like Allah? And then you said, when you're not compliant with the law. How similar is that when you're not compliant with Allah? Huh? Yeah. Was it? Fucking (laughs) wowie wow wow, bro. I think uh, I, I think the I think the systems of law in the United States are cert- and most of the world are are certainly not compliant with the law. But uh, so to go, before we get shut down, let's go yeah. back to what this was all about. Ancestors. Ancestors. So how do yeah. we tap in? How do we figure yeah. out like So this was a whole sidetrack of how people lose track of our ancestors through whiteness right or some relationship to white whiteness so ancestors in terms of actually honoring them um i had two primary introductions to ways of honoring ancestors and that's well there's the the like native american uh or original peoples of turtle island kind of context i was talking about nahan and the marches and talking about we are the most powerful of our ancestors looking at it in that light and then Ifa, yoruba um voodoo vodun which voodoo is very specific to new orleans that's where voodoo was born marie laveau there's a we should do a whole other episode on her and so uh considered the the voodoo queen of new orleans and actually in this book i was audible book they talk about her house as actually being a stop on the underground railroad because uh, she was critiqued a lot as like a mulatto woman who owned slaves 
And so people were like, oh, she was not on the right side. But actually there's this voodoo practitioner who wrote a book who says, no, actually she was on the right side and she bought and sold slaves because she was part of the Underground Railroad. <laughs> so I don't know, it's a very yeah. interesting character. Um, anyway, so that's the other introductory point is uh, ancestor altars in the context of um, like African spirituality, specifically Ifa and Yoruba, Orisha. Um, and so maintaining altars, it's very important to feed the ancestors on the other side because it's like worth, like it's worth a lot to their spirits when we still honor their memories. So let me ask you a question about that. Is there an energetic level like they was talking about in the Old Testament, like a goat is worth this much energy a blood sacrifice is worth this much energy mm. and a glass of milk is worth like Santa Claus energy. Like, is there a, oh, is there wow. a level or is it something that was very specific to who you're trying to tap in? Or is it just the act of doing it? Like, is there a level to that kind of shit? I feel, I'm not sure. I feel like that's all. I feel like every single one of those things you mentioned is valid, but Krishna would say that it's it's all in the heart and how you present the offering. The actual material materiality of the offering doesn't matter. Okay, so that could that cross over where like, yo, I only have fucking fifty goats, but I'm gonna give you this one goat. So then your heart is like amplified to this level where that sacrifice means much. And then here's my firstborn son, which is like a whole piece of my soul and everything that I'm identified with. And that makes the vibration go that much higher. And then here's just this glass of milk. Do you think that yeah. could have some kind of a correlation? Yeah, I, I feel like there's probably like particularities, like there is some effect inherently of different material substances, but it's going to ultimately come down to what's actually happening in your heart and mind. That's what I'm saying. What's like, the actual truth? Think about it, bro. Like, the, the the higher the risk, the higher the reward. Yeah, like... It's a universal so like, law, right? And, like, me offering a glass of milk, you and I could both offer the same exact glass of milk, um, and it's going to have different effects. Right. Depending on... Because I don't even drink milk, so that yeah. means nothing to me. Yeah. So then that vibration is going to carry over through that and be like... You offered me something that you don't care about. That's actually not a sacrifice. Yeah, but if you... So Krishna says, offer me um, a leaf, uh, flowers, water, incense. Uh, something like those four things. Uh, leaf, flowers, water. Those are definitely among them. Um, uh, fruit. And, and I will gla gladly accept it. Um, and that's like, because he doesn't want any kind of meat offerings. He doesn't want anything that is Putrid. harming, yeah, yeah. um, other beings. Um, and so they're, they're pure offerings. Right. But we, so I used to have this situation, right. Where I was trying to figure out what kind was my actual like belief and practices. Cause we we're like doing, uh, like honoring ancestors, um, through like ancestor worship kind of stuff in like a, a native context and a, a, a Yoruba, Ifa kind of context. 
and so needing to be like really specific about okay they like this this and this and so we'll offer this um but when you offer food on ancestor altars you don't eat that okay here's one <clears throat> get ready for this and get your credit card ready at the end of this I want you to deposit money into my Venmo because I'm saving you years of frustration a lot of money and social shame okay so check this out In 2011, 12, 13, I don't remember which year it was. Time is relevant. Anyway. I got arrested for a DUI. Let me paint the scenery. I come in to this bar after work. I had already pre-gamed probably had you know two so I was like 0 0.06 probably 0 0.08 probably if I'm being honest pull up to the bar just got this car just got some work done on this car not used to it kind of excited about it there's my energy I walk into this bar parking but the parking lot is across the street okay So you have to go in at a certain angle and the little lift comes up. You grab your little ticket and you go forward. Then you take a left and in my parking stall, you have to take another left. So I go across the street, which is 12 o'clock from in front of me. And I get into this bar. Now two or three of my coworkers are sitting here having drinks. They're already gassed up, right? Woo, 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 woo. So this this little chick that I was semi messing around with talking to kind of got into it because she kept trying to feed me drinks that had mushrooms in it. And at this time, I was allergic to mushrooms. And this chick is so gassed up. She's not paying attention to what I'm saying. She's like, quit, quit, just try it. So I'm already angry at this point. 20 minutes after being in the bar. I'm like, you don't get it. Like, I'm allergic. I don't care if it's pickled. I'm allergic to mushrooms. Every time I've had a mushroom, I've had an allergic reaction. So it, it's not whatever the container was. It was the fucking mushroom. Pay attention. So whatever. I tried four or five of these little drinks that they're trying to have me have. And then I can feel in my body that I'm starting to get an allergic reaction. So I'm like, yo, I got to giddy up. I got to get out of here. So I goes and get in my car. And all of a sudden, like, I get the feeling like I'm going to have the Hershey squirts. <gasps> my stomach's tightening up. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to Earl too. So I get out of the parking lot. I take a right, take a left. And there's this, this cop has this other core pulled over and I'm like hauling oats like I'm trying to get back to the cribbo because I got to poop 
<coughs> right? I gotta poop, I gotta puke, I gotta figure out what the hell's going on. I have allergic reaction, I'm not thinking clearly. I need some Benadryl, I need to, you know, figure out the scenario. So cop has old boy pulled over and he jumps out in the middle of the street and flags me down with his hand. My dumbass pulls over like, what's going on? So he gives me a sobriety test. I can't do the sobriety test because I'm clenching my butt cheeks. <laughs> try not to puke. Try not to shit. Try not to, you know what I'm saying? Freak, freak out. Not to let everything go. And I'm like, bro, I can't do it. Put me in the car. Take me to the hospital. I gotta, I gotta shit so bad like I'm dying. <laughs> so, so we get past all the, you know, past all the sobriety shit. I'm like, I'm not gonna do it, bro. Like, I, I, I gotta eat. I gotta do my thing. So they take me to the hospital, and I'm like, legs are twitching, I'm freaking out. Finally let me into the bathroom, it's like, and then I'm like, so I get my little DUI or whatever. I go into AODA classes, I do all the things, I get a breathalyzer. I get sick of this situation I'm living in, right? So I decided to come back home. So I come back home to California. As I'm pulling into the address of my dad's house, and I'm backing in behind the, I want to say it was a silver Toyota minivan in front of me, trying to parallel park behind him. The car died. That was it. That was it for the car. Made it here. Cool. Boom. Made it here. Cool. So then I'm on a BART for like a week and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I need to have a car. This is too much. You know what I'm saying? Every time I get on a BART, there's damn near altercation. I'm on my third strike. I can't afford to... I, I, I can't kick it with you petty niggas. You know what I'm saying? And I can't afford to take the Amtrak every day. So I'd rather pay a car note. So my old man takes me on a cruise. And we go check out Hanley's, you know, looking for a car. And they have this car on special. And it's a Ford Focus. It's just like my brother wanted me to whip. It's been giving me in focuses for years. I'm like, that's the one, but it's cherry red. That's the one, but it's cherry red. So thinking about myself, 10,000 is a good deal. But I know being cherry red, there's an old saying. And if there's an old saying, there's a lot of old people paying attention to it. The old saying is this. You are more likely to get speeding tickets in the cherry red car because you appear to be going faster and it's just like the bull after the red flag they see red and they go red. So I go in there and I, I you know, I, I take the test drive and I'm like, I already know what a focus whip's like. I, I already want it. Here's the problem. It's cherry red. So let's talk about it. So I negotiated price, right? 
Mind you, this is two years after my DUI. Two or three years. I don't. I, time is irrelevant. So it doesn't show up on my paperwork. I well, it it shows. It doesn't show up on my loan paperwork, but it shows up when I go to get insurance. So I go. I'm like, I'm walking out with this car, bro. Like this is the one I want. So the first loan didn't go through. Second loan didn't go through. And he's like, you know what? Give me a second. Let me pull something out. So he pulls something out. I get the loan. And he gives me gap insurance. Cool. Run that, please. I'm going to walk home with this car. I'm going to drive off the lot with this car. So I drive off the lot with the car. Probably about a week, maybe two weeks. I don't know. Time is irrelevant. Could have been nine years. I don't know. But it was probably like two weeks. Then I'm whipping around in this new car. And then one day, I, I started working into work and I'm, I've been in the city for a couple of days. So I'm like, let me get all this shit out of my car just in case something happens. So in, in my car, I have all my studio equipment, my clothes, all of my artwork, all of my kids' pictures, like every, everything that's sentimental. I'm like, let me get this out of the car and put it in the old car. Now, just double back, the old car, you're wondering, I thought you said you had a blower. True story. So I couldn't get a new IUD installed in my car until I got rid of the one in the old car, per law. So I finessed the situation to the point where I could just cut all the cables and bring back the device to this dude in like San Rafael, which is the only place it does them at the time. So it's like, yeah, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to do X, Y, and Z. What they do, just snip all the lines and bring the device back to me and I'll just put one in your car. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'll see you about a job afterwards because I was good at installing stereos and shit like that. And, you know, custom, custom installs, interiors and all that shit. So, you know what I'm saying? Ran the game. So dude, you know, he, he, he fixes my car, whatever. So I'm whipping around in the new Focus. 2016 is two years old. Got a good deal. Two things happened. One, because I was talking about my artwork and all this stuff. This is why it was important. The silver van behind. The silver van that I pulled behind. Called the police. Because I hadn't moved the car in a couple of weeks. Excuse me. Because I haven't moved the car in a couple of weeks. And he wanted it removed. Probably because his wife or his daughter complained. Or a neighbor complained. That the car hasn't moved. Now. In the midst of all of this. I had already arranged. For a tow truck to come. And pick it up. But because there's so many accidents on the 80. Getting a tow truck scheduled is forget about it bro forget about it right so they come and they put a tag on my window and then I leave a note in the window and I'm like 
Please don't tell my fucking shit. I have something scheduled. When the dude gets here, he's going to take care of it. Leave me alone. Type shit. So now I'm driving around in this, this new car and going back and forth, taking my shit out of the old car, putting it in the new car when I don't have to work in San Francisco. And then when I have to work in San Francisco, I'll take all my shit out and put it in the back of the old car. Just because I have passengers, I have, you know what I'm saying, chicks to jump in and all that fun shit, right? So I need to have my back seat open. And then when I get back, you know what I'm saying, to to Pernod and to the other shit, I can, if I'm working instant work and I got to go to Napa and then I have to go to San Jose, I can just pass out on the car. So I need to have all that shit out of the car. So I could just pass out, take a nap, and then go to work in the morning. You feel me? So, so it goes like this, back and forth for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden... I come out in the morning and my fucking car is going. I'm shit. All my clothes. All my recording studio equipment. Thank God I was smart enough to take my hard drives out of my computers and put them in my suitcase. And back up all my shit online and back up all that shit and back up all that shit again. But I lost all my artwork. I lost my birth certificate, my social security card, uh, all my kids' pictures, my kids' social security cards. All this shit was in this car when they told it, right? So I'm like, damn. So now I call, call Oakland. Oakland tells me to call San Francisco. San Francisco tells me to call some other government agency and it just goes round and round and round so I forget about it I'm like chalk it up to the game it's a loss now I know right so now I'm noticing because all the stuff is not in, in my car I'm just kicking it in my car more and mind you I've only had to do this once or twice a week maybe now I'm doing it four times a day just because I, I'm like, okay, so I, I have a little more freedom now. Because I don't have to go back to Pinole, drop my shit off. I can just go wherever I want. So now I'm sleeping in the car all the time. And now I'm starting to notice why the car was so cheap. At night, cockroaches came out of the car. And I'm like, oh, fuck. This must have been something left, you know what I'm saying, because of Jack in the Box that I went to yesterday. I knew I shouldn't have ate that junk food. Whatever. Just chalking it up to that. So I killed the little cockroaches. And come to find out, cockroaches really love beer. Because one night, I had an open beer. This is after I had the device removed. I had an open beer in the car. I was, I cracked it. Went outside to smoke a cigarette. Like I'm posted up for the night. So I'm gonna try, I'm gonna drink this beer and go night night, right? So I'll go out and smoke a cigarette. And I come back in and take a drink of the beer. 
and I'm like, <laughs> I spit all my beer out, and I feel this <laughs> inside of my mouth, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, the more I try to push it out, the more it, like, try to run away. <laughs> so I finally spit it out, and it was a goddamn cockroach. And I turn on the interior light, and then all I see is all these cockroaches all over all my shit. All over the dashboard, on like on the inside, all, all the Eternals. And I'm like, fuck! That's why this car was so cheap. This bitch had cockroaches in their shit and they couldn't sell it to nobody. And I fell for the old get around, right? So I'm fucking pissed off. Wake up in the morning, go to my gig. I'm still off, like, traumatized from the shit. <laughs> go to work in a bad mood. They rated me badly on his work because I was in a bad mood. So I'm like, fuck it. I ain't coming back to, to wherever the fuck it was. Maybe it was San Jose. Flew back to fucking Padol. Kicked it there for a little bit. Tried to sell the solar. And then went back to Berkeley. Hold on, I'm tracking in my mind. I'll just work it off. So I went back to Berkeley because I was working for Farm Fresh. Nope, this was after Farm Fresh. This is when I was selling solar. So I went to Berkeley. I was going to go try to meditate. Now, if you go up in Berkeley, you can go up to Tilden National Park. And there's a bunch of benches on the or there used to be. There a bunch of benches on the side of the road. And you could just sit there and meditate or whatever. I'm like, I need to get my mind right. For some reason, this was the day that everybody else had these thoughts of mind where they could just go out in nature, kick it. And this is why they always say, no matter where you go, there you are. Because how you feel inside is the world is going to reflect it no matter what you do. You're having a bad day and you're sick of people. There's going to be people that are sick of you all throughout the day. Just so you know, keep that in mind. So on this day, I decided to go up and meditate. Now, everybody had from Wyoming and Utah and Nevada and fucking North Carolina and all these license plates that I'm seeing are are deciding to come up to Tilden on this day. And I can't meditate. And I'm frustrated. So I'm like, fuck it. So I'm going to go take a shit and get back to work. So on this day, also, for some reason, there's more bikers than usual. There's bikers everywhere. And the bikers in Berkeley think that they are in a car and they own the entire road. So instead of like, if I was riding a bike, I'd be on the left side of the street so I could see the people coming at me and then I could get out of the way. But these people are like lawyers and judges and, you know, a bunch of narcissists type personalities that think that just because they're on a bike they own the entire road and you have to just wait for them going 25 when the speed limit is 35 and all of these things so i'm coming around a a double blind corner it's an s so i have a blind left going six and then there's another no i have a blind right going six and there's a blind left going nine and on the nine coming towards me this chick is trying to evade the biker 
So she's in the middle of the lane, right? As she's coming around the blind corner. Now I'm coming on the opposite, on the sixth blind corner, because I'm trying to avoid a biker. So we meet in the middle, we can't see each other, and all of a sudden, I'm in the ditch and my airbag goes off and my car is totaled, right? Now, if you can't paint that, imagine this. Imagine you just landed in Hawaii and there's a chick fanning you in the face with like coconut branches, right? But the branches cover up all of your your all of your vision you can't see. And directly in front of you, there's a plane landed and the passengers are coming off in the opposite direction of you at your 12. And they're also getting palm fronds in front of them. So then as soon as we pass the palm fronds, we're like, oh, fuck. We're right in front of each other and we bump into each other. But in this scenario, we're walking, which is fine. So they're like, oh, shit, excuse me. But when you're you're driving at like 15 or 25 miles an hour, these cars are meant to like self-destruct and start on fire just so you they turtle out and you have to get a new one. So I'm driving 15, 25, and this chick is driving 15, 25, so we hit each other at 15 miles an hour, right? Going in the opposite direction. So this bitch knocks off my entire wheel. I fuck up her back axle, right? And I'm in a ditch. And then I veer right into the ditch. Can't see shit. There's an airbag in my face. I can't maneuver, blah, blah, blah. So then I fucking backtrack. Go to see if she's okay, and I hear bring, bring, and this biker dude is like, "Way to go, you fucking idiot!" And I'm like, "Bro, it's your fucking fault." <laughs> you feel me? Like, nigga, why is you taking up the whole fucking road? You're a biker. Like, be on the side of the road, or be on the left side where you can see oncoming traffic and not be a fucking douche. And then to top it off, after I get into an accident, you know. Anyways, anyways. So I go up and, and meet with the chick. And just so you know, this this 22-minute story, I'm going to make it worth my time. You're not just listening to me telling you a story. I'm going to save you a lot of fucking money and give you a lot of game. If you are still with me. So I go and approach the chick. I'm like, are you cool? She's like, yeah, I'm cool. Are you okay? I'm like, kind of fucked up, but I'm all right. You know what I mean? Type shit. I'm okay. I'm going to walk it off. I'm going to heal. God's got me. You feel me? God did. God did. You feel me? So, we're having a conversation after, after we get like the, after the, what do you call that? The shock of the accident wears off. We're just sitting on some rocks waiting on some tow trucks or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not mad at you. It wasn't your fault. She's like, I'm not mad at you. It wasn't your fault. I'm like, I know it's this fucking stupid ass biker. And she's like, they really need to start paying attention. And I'm like, yeah, so cool. So we're on a level, right? So this chick is like, oh, my boyfriend's going to be mad, but. But it's not our fault. It's you know what I'm saying. It's, these bikers need to pay attention. I'm like, seriously, like, I've been hit by cars 
12 times in my life, even while being on the left side, but I would never be ballsy enough to take up the entire space. So we get into this conversation, whatever. I forget her name. She was telling me what she was doing. And we had a little conversation and the police come. They're like, are you okay? We're like, yeah, we're cool. It was nobody's fault. It was like there was a bunch of bikers and we were both trying to get away from the bikers and kind of zeroed each other out. And like, we're just waiting on the insurance company and the tow truck and blah, blah, blah. So the dude left. He's like, okay, cool. I have some homeless people I need to arrest, so let me get out of here, right? (laughs) So then my dad picks me up, her old man picks her up, you know what I'm saying? We get the the cars towed, whatever happens. So then the insurance company is like, you know, we need to make an assessment. So we make an assessment, They, they assess the car as totaled, and then... They hit me with this big whopping bill of $6,000. And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? They're like, well, we totaled it out, we totaled it out at $6,000. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I, I got the gap insurance. And they're like, yeah, so the gap was blah, 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 blah. So you're telling me that I paid ten grand for this car, a whole bunch of money up front, and the gap covered from what the car was worth after I drove off of the lot, but not how it was totaled. But you value the car more than the value that it was after being totaled. That doesn't make sense. So if I'm paying 10 grand for a car and I put four down and now it's worth six, after I drive off the lot, it's worth two. You're going to get me for the 2000, but you're actually going to charge me for the six. That doesn't make sense. So you're gapping me for what I paid right before I crossed the finish line of the exit of the parking lot. That's not what gap insurance means, right? So then I go back and forth with Progressive for like six years, probably. And then, then to be honest, I, I stopped making payments. I'm like, yo, I had gap insurance. Gap insurance is supposed to cover the other six. So then some years go by and I started fucking around trying to fix my credit, <laughs> trying to fix my scenario. If it be. So then I sent the charge back and I'm like, figure it out. Now it's 1400 or something. I'm like, okay, bet. So I've been paying this money the entire time on top of having gap insurance, which should have paid it, which was included in my car payment, in my car note, every single month. Right For all these years So then out of nowhere I get Six child support Payments Saying that I was I was down to zero So I got six checks From child support And then Progressive Hit me back saying I only owed 1400 Which later got dissolved And I'm like Okay bet That makes sense So here is the moral of the story. This was six years of me grinding two, three jobs at a time. 
driving two, three hundred miles every day back and forth from different jobs. That's a rough average. I say all that to say this. If you're just nice to people, if you just introduce yourself, had I introduced myself to the bouncer and to the bartender, had a conversation with these people, been cool, they would have called me an Uber. Had I told them, hey, I'm allergic to mushrooms. No matter what this fucking crazy bitch says, don't make me anything with mushrooms in it. Otherwise, I'm going to have a situation. That would have saved me. Shut up. That would have saved me. Six or eight years of having to work three jobs. Because I wouldn't have got a pay deficit. 30k wouldn't have had to have a DUI which costed me probably 20 G's which costed me more because if you think about getting a promotion or relocating to a new city they check your records and you have a DUI that's a red flag for some of these people Now, in the restaurant industry, it shouldn't be like that. But for some reason, it is. Unless you have titties, no matter what you do, it's a red flag. But that would have saved me, you know, 20, 30 Gs in the long run. Just by having a conversation with the bartender or the bouncer. Send me that $100. Because this is life-changing information. This is also me being vulnerable and, and, and giving you way too much game for free. I'm shaving 10 years of mistakes off of your life. If you don't talk to the bartender, talk to the bouncer... And be friends with, be first of all, be friends with the bouncer. Fuck the bartender. Everybody's trying to be friends with the bartender because they need to get drinks. What you need to do is be friends with the bouncer. Because nobody talks to the bouncer. Nobody does. Nobody. Ask anybody that goes to any club anywhere and ask them who the bouncer is. Nobody's going to tell you the bouncer's name. I know my bouncer's names. I used to be the bouncer. Chalked it up. 